There we go. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Hello, and welcome to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Don Mazzella, and I am your host for a program devoted to identifying strategies and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are other entrepreneurs and experts offering their solutions to the problems and opportunities facing small business leaders. Our aim in each program is to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas or suggestions. So follow us on Twitter at hashtag 2SBDigest or at our website at www.smallbusinessdigest.net. You know, we have a very interesting program today. Uh, uh, Our first guest is an extraordinary man uh, in a lot of ways. It's Robert Bakke. We welcome him to the program. We're going to talk about his topic, which is social media may not be the answer for marketers. I I have a feeling we're going to learn there. But we also uh, has a very he also has a very interesting book that we want to talk. Robert, uh, welcome to the program. Well, hello, Don, and hello to all of your listeners. It's a pleasure. Well, okay. Well, as we ask all our guests, tell us a little bit about yourself personally before we talk about anything else. Well, my my life is a little bit different than most, Don. I uh, I've been able to, uh, I guess what what some people would call uh, achieve a fair amount of success in my life, and and we're living in a date and time right now where success isn't necessarily looked to uh, fondly on, and I, of course, disagree with that because some of us have worked so hard to get where we are. And trust me, if a guy like me can do it, anybody can. But but um, uh, going back in time, uh, it's kind of interesting. I was the just the skinniest little runt in my, my school. I was that, that uh, little kid that was picked last in gym class every day. And um, quite frankly, I was just a bone-thin klutz. And uh, I hit college had no clue why I was there. And, uh, and, and when I, what, what I'm about to say is not necessarily religious, but I'm going to tell you this. Someone out of, somewhat out of spite, Don, I, I read the New Testament in college. It, it was really funny. I, I was five foot 10, 130 pounds. I literally was just a bone fit, thin, uh, skeletal structure with not a lick of self-confidence. And I read the New Testament, and, and it just blew my shoes off. It wasn't like anything I had ever read, and I really believed it was telling me to prove that all things were possible because that's what it teaches. And so um, I've been able to accumulate a fairly interesting resume along the way that was all based on those those uh, New Testament teachings. And then here uh, recently I stepped into my childhood dream and we all have childhood dreams, uh, and that was car racing. And um, the minute I got into car racing, we started seeing the most miraculous things happen around the race car that developed into full-blown miracles. And and this is what leads us into our our topic today, uh, even with social media, and that is that I I wrote a book about the miracles happening around my race car. 
I self-published it, which everyone said not to do. But that book is entitled Prayer. Uh, it's, it's entitled Prayer at Full Throttle. It is a two-time number one Amazon bestseller. It's been on live television in every region of the world. It's completely changed my life. And it, it, uh, it has done a couple things. One of them is it validates those childhood dreams that everybody laughed at. And I'm here to tell you that it's never too late to step into your childhood dream because that is God trying to tell you why he put you here. And uh, the other thing I've learned is when you, when you self-publish and self-market a book all the way to number one on, uh, on Amazon, uh, you'll learn a few things about what's going on in the marketing financial world and what causes people to respond and what doesn't. And that's why I've stepped up and with the warning on social media for, for business owners, and that's catching a lot of people off guard. Well, first, tell us, what, what was your childhood dream? Well, my, my childhood dream was, was to race cars. It's really funny. I told my parents as a kid that God built me to race cars. I didn't really understand why. I, I thought it was, it's really funny now, Don, when I look back on it, because people would say, why would God build anybody to race cars? And, and I said, well, you know what? I'm this child, and all parents want to see their children enjoying themselves. And so God said, I'm going to build Robert, and he's going to love racing cars. So that's what I want you to do. And so, quite frankly, I thought it was just all about me enjoying myself. But what I found out was that when I finally started racing, uh, it wasn't about me at all. It was all about all of the lives that we could touch. I mean, we have touched so many people's lives, and we have so many children around the car. We put kids in the car and talk to them about their dreams, and we, we take pictures of them in the car. And the most fun we have with it, actually, is that, that we'll talk to the kids about what their dreams are, and when they finally tell us what their dreams are, I, I make them sign a contract that, that they'll never let anybody talk them out of the dream they just gave me. And when they sign that contract, what it looks like, Don, is I have them take a felt tip marker and they write their name right into the paint of my car. So my race car has kids' names written all over it as their contract to me that they'll, you know, they'll never deviate um, from their dreams. And, and uh, so, you know, we, we completed a lot of journeys along the way getting into car racing. I don't know if your listeners know, but I was running a multi-million dollar company by the age of 24 all based on New Testament teachings, uh, uh, you know, the bone-thin klutz that I was. I became a black belt in Shotokan karate and became a regional champion. Then I flew myself into a jet flying career, and, and I've been a jet captain now for, gosh, 17 years already. Um, you know, and, uh, all these things that, that I really believed I was supposed to accomplish to prove to people that, that nothing really is impossible if you can see it in your imagination and you can believe it in your heart if you're willing to roll up your sleeves and get to work. That's really how God, and I'm not talking about religion, I'm talking about the person, the, the God who created everybody who's hearing my voice. I'm just talking about you and the God that created you, a direct line, a direct line contact. When, when, when you step in to the arena that God built you to be in, the power of God himself will come down and work right through you, just like he did when David killed Goliath. And, and again, I'm not getting religious here, but David never killed Goliath. That's what they taught us in Sunday school when you read the story. 
God killed Goliath, but he did it working through David. And that's how miracles happen. And, and so what we did is we wrote this book called Prayer at Full Throttle, and it's all about stepping into the purpose for your life. It's about stepping into the dream in your heart and getting to work and watching the miracles manifest. And, and when a self-published book came up with a number one ranking on Amazon, that really caught everybody's attention, and it proved that miracles really do happen. Well, no doubt. But l- let me go back and fill in um, some parts. You're a jet pilot, not a commercial jet pilot, but your own for your own planes? No, no. I, I fly a private jet for a local Minneapolis businessman. Ah, I didn't. I didn't okay. really want to get into. You know, I, I'm. I, I'm. As a guy who loves race cars and, and things like that, private jets are just way cooler to me. So I've built my career pointing at, at corporate aviation, not uh, not commercial aviation. I am a commercial pilot, by the way. I have that license. I also have what's called an airline transport pilot certificate. And the, the airline transport pilot certificate is uh, basically a PhD in aviation. It's actually the highest. It's the highest level rating a pilot can achieve, and I and I have that. I just use it in in the uh, the corporate arena, flying a private business jet because I think it's a lot more fun. And I'll tell you what else, I love being around the people who have built the businesses that own those airplanes to save them so much time because it, it's a little bit like iron sharpening iron. You know, the best bring out the best, and yes. I just love being around people. I, I love being around people that are that ambitious and that confident and that intelligent and that driven because it brings out the best in me too. Well, okay. But now, uh, where do you race? Um, you're, are, are you still racing? I uh, assume, which is true. I know nothing about what you're doing, um, um, uh, what you're doing, but uh, I, neither does the audience. But um, you you take around the, the this racing car, but do you still race? And if so, where? Oh, yeah. Well, we race around the Minneapolis area. We didn't run this year. Our track closed, and we we kind of rebuilt the car. We'll be running next year in uh, Marshfield, Wisconsin, and um, it's a half mile oval. You know, it's it's all stock car racing here in Minneapolis. Um, uh, we run. Um, uh, NASCAR sanctioned races on a, on a local level. And then, uh, next year we're moving to, um, uh, Marshfield, Wisconsin, possibly lacrosse, Wisconsin, but yeah, we're going to keep racing. It's, um, it's, uh, it's just, it, it's, I always talk about how much fun it is, uh, for me personally, but we, we just, we, we reach so many people's lives when we do it, that, that, um, that the race car has become a tremendous, uh, testimony that, um, you know, dr- dreams really do come true and that mm. we're all here for a purpose and we may not even understand what that purpose is. I certainly didn't. If you would have told me that when I got behind the wheel of a race car, it would write a number one bestseller in its wake, I, I would have no clue what you were talking about. It just happened. Well, re- repeat the name of the book. Well, the book is called Prayer at Full Throttle. And uh, it's available on Amazon. Uh, I encourage everybody to get a copy. The Kindle version is only like three dollars. So, um, uh, but they've got the paperback and the Kindle. Or uh, if you want to come to uh, come to my website, we we actually send out signed uh, copies. And my website is uh, robertbakke.com. It's B-A-K-K-E. Robert Bakke, 
com, and we'll sign copies and send them out that way. And, and I, I, man, I promise everybody, and I don't care how old you are. I, I don't care if you're 18 or 80. There's a dream in your heart. There's plenty of time to get it done. And, and this book will prove that to you. Well, well now let's pivot. Like I say, a very interesting uh, uh, guest today. Let's pivot. To a, to a very um, interesting th- thing that you said, which goes against uh, social media, et cetera. What have you learned that you want to pass on to other people? Well, here, well, here's exactly what I've learned. And trust me, I have spent thousands and thousands of my own dollars learning these things. So this, this is not hearsay. I'm coming straight from my own pocketbook. <clears throat> and here's what I learned. You do not want to use social media as the, le- as the leading edge of your financial sword. People trend towards social media because of all the chatter about social media, and they see it as a, free, as a free marketplace to advertise in. But keep in mind, people are not on social media looking to spend money. They're not on social media looking to buy anything. It's a chatterbox. And so what we learned is, there is nothing more beneficial to your financial growth than advertising in targeted mainstream media. That means it's going to cost you some money, but it's effective. And uh, once you bring people in, the most powerful source of advertising for any business, and you will never stop this, is word of mouth and personal testimony. Nothing is going to outgun the personal testimony of a raving fan of your business. So when you want to generate revenue, and I am a revenue guy, you use mainstream media, word of mouth, personal testimony, and then you can back all of that up with social media. Let me give you an example. Like if you had a clothing store right now, you would go out and and, uh, use the mainstream media, to, to create awareness, use mainstream media to get people in, create raving fans of your clothing store, and then, then you can stay in contact with your customers using social media. Um, and it, it, like it, You can almost use it like, like free direct mail. You can uh, keep in touch with them with upcoming sales, new products, and use it as a retention tool, as a way to stay in touch with your customers. But to make them customers... I'm just telling you, remember this. Nobody's on social media looking to buy anything. And above all, put this one in the bank. Do not confuse a Facebook like with a dollar bill. Won't work. Let let me give you a spectacular example of how ineffective it is to generate revenue with social media. Okay, so I'm talking about, I'm going to talk about two things generating a physical response or generating a financial response as opposed to chatter. I know you can create tons of chatter on social media, but one of the companies I work with, because I'm also a marketing guy, I work with a company in Minneapolis. It's a membership company. has 11,000 members. Okay, that's a lot. We have 11,000 members. We also have people on staff. We have full-time social media millennials on staff swirling with, with social media. When you take 11,000 members 
and connect them on social media, we have a social media matrix of over a million connections. I don't even know how many it would be. It's probably in the multi-millions of social media connections with this company I work for. In the last four years, with virtually millions of social media contacts in the matrix, we have acquired two new members from our social media um, presence. Two. In four years, when we already have an existing 11,000 members, do you know where 82% of our members come from? Personal testimony. Word of mouth personal testimony generates 82% of our growth. The rest of the growth comes from, you know, uh, billboards, advertisements, mainstream media stuff. We've actually gotten two people in four years to become members as a direct result of social media. But you'd never know that by all the buzz you hear, um, you know, out in the marketplace. So, and that's what we found out with my book. As a matter of fact, we've done over 2,500 broadcasts about prayer at full throttle. Can you imagine? 2,500 broadcasts. And yet, in fact, most all those radio stations also have podcasts. We haven't generated any sales off of the podcasts. We haven't generated any sales off of our social media presence, so we, we have almost no social media presence. Uh, uh, and I, I'm doing that on purpose right now just to prove a point. Um, uh, everything that we're doing, uh, everything that we're doing, all the responses we get, again, comes from mainstream media and word of mouth. And I think that, again, I'm going to repeat myself, a Facebook like is not a dollar bill. It will not, it will not keep your lights on. Wow, you keep um, uh, um, <laughs> you've given us a mouthful, um, and I, I want to continue this discussion. Um, well, well, I guess the, the uh, learning all of this. Uh, can you summar summarize it? Um, if I've heard you correctly, and I'm I'm reaching for words because I want to make sure I understand, but. Uh, it, what you're saying, in effect, is uh, the word of mouth is the, is the strongest w way of of doing things and uh, of getting sales. And the best thing to do uh, is to get a satisfied customer to be enthusiastic f for you and to tell other people. Would that be a summation? That's it. In fact, I, I could almost restructure the front line of that. If... if there's businesses right now that have full-time social media employees stirring social media, trying to generate business. No offense, but if you took those social media salaries and the cost of all those social media benefits that are being paid, and you took that money and you put it into um, targeted mainstream media campaigns, that, that investment in the mainstream media is what's going to bring the customers in your front door and then you treat them right, and you get them to become what I call raving fans of your business and send them out into the world, and that word of mouth, that personal testimony is going to do a million more times for you revenue-wise than anything you're going to get on Facebook or social media. But then, again, you can utilize social media out the back door to stay in touch with the people that you now have patronizing your business. 
So it, it's a process. It's, it's mainstream media to get the customers to generate word of mouth and then use social media to stay in communication to retain. Use it as a retention tool. And it's that, it's that one, two, three. And trust me, like I said, we, we, we did this out of my personal checkbook to figure this stuff out. And um, if, it, if it's rubbing some people the wrong way, I'll take that risk because we've got the number one ranking on Amazon to prove it. Well, um, Robert, uh, I want you to stay on. We have a, a, um, another guest waiting. Uh, he's a chief econ economist. And, uh, he's got a study about uh, holiday hiring. And I, I think in a, in a, in a, a little ways, uh, you kind of fit into this. Do you mind uh, sticking around and listening and commenting? Sure, I'll stick on. I, I will have to. How long are you going to be on, do you know? I've got, I've got well, another one uh, coming in here in a little while, but let, let's just stay on as um, long as we can. Okay. Um, our next guest, Joe, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing the name Brazil. 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 Yes. Suelo. Uh, you're with RSM. Um, and you're going to tell us about that, and you're going to talk about holiday hiring and a fascinating study. I've asked Robert Bakke to stay on because uh, you're talking about person-to-person, -person and he's talking about person-to-person, -person, different levels, but I thought it might be uh, interesting keeping him on for a while. But, uh, but welcome to the program, Joe. Well, thank you. It's nice of you to have me on. We always ask our guests a little bit about themselves personally. So tell us about yourself first before we do anything else. All right. So my name is Joe Brusuelos. I'm the chief economist at RSM. Uh, we're the fifth largest audit tax and consulting company in the world. And for the past uh, couple decades, I've worked in and around the financial services, banking, and economic research industries, mostly on Wall Street. <clears throat> And so today I'm the chief economist for this large firm. And so what we do is we focus on what's called the middle market. These are mid-sized firms between, that generate revenues between $10 million and $2 billion each year. And they approximate roughly 40% of GDP, and they employ one-third of the entire U.S. labor force. There's roughly about 200,000 firms that fall under that category. And we at, at RSM actually have roughly about 100,000 of those type of firms as our clients. And so that's that's our base, and that's what we focus on. And every quarter we put together what's called the RSM Proprietary uh, Middle Market Business Index. And that's a quick snapshot of business conditions for firms that operate in that critical category. And so while overall business conditions have slowed somewhat, they remain fairly, uh, fairly decent right now where firms are expecting to see a modest increase in revenues, strong hiring, um, keeping inventories uh, at, at current levels, and keeping a lid on compensation. I think the, the real risk is is that these middle market firms, which are sort of the, the breathing heart and soul of the U.S. economy, are signaling that six months out they're planning to pull back on capital expenditures. And that's often a canary in the coal mine for uh, the business cycle coming to an end. And so what we see here, I think, is that what my gut's telling me is that all the uncertainty around the election right now is causing many large, medium-sized, and small firms to put off the purchase of big-ticket items. 
and that's one of the reasons why the, the economy really has slowed to around 1% over the past year. Keep going. It's fascinating. I, I don't I don't know if Robert agrees, but it's fascinating <laughs> what you're saying. Keep going. Well, we would this is a scientifically significant study. We work with mm-hmm. Moody's and Nielsen the ratings agencies to conduct the survey. And we, we, we publish it each quarter. Um, so when you're looking at the economy right now, we're going to have a modest bounce back of around 2.4% in the third quarter. Hiring remains fairly strong at roughly about 175000 a month. That's over double what's necessary to stabilize the unemployment rate. And we are finally starting to see wages increase. You know, if you have a job and you stay on it, you'll see an increase in your wages of about 3.5%. But if you uh, change jobs, you see much uh, more. You see a premium that's, that's going to be paid that's closer to four and a half percent. Now that's just averaged out over all the workers who, who change jobs. But if you work in in higher end manufacturing, you work in tech, the life sciences, anything that's got anything that has to do with quantitative or scientific skills, sometimes those premiums are well above ten percent. And so you're starting to see that. Um, in terms of overall consumer spending. Um, even though the, the economy only grew at roughly 1% in the second quarter, consumer spending was at 4.3%, and that's the strongest we've seen in, in the entire business cycle. So in that, in, that, in that sense, the U.S. household right now is propping up the economy. I expect consumer spending to slow to around 3% in the third quarter, and you mentioned earlier that we had published our estimate of, of holiday sales, so I'm expecting to see an overall increase of 3.4% on a year-ago basis. Um, but online sales are going to increase by double digits. And that's part and parcel of the structural transformation um, away from brick-and-mortar stores towards online sales. And it's not just Amazon, Walmart, and Target that are going to be capturing um, the lion's share of this. You see all sorts of um, startup competitors that are absolutely on target price competitive with Amazon springing up all around the country, and that is facilitating that movement away from uh, brick-and-mortar sales, going to the mall, buying things, um, towards purchasing things online. And this this is a long-term structural transformation that will, will radically alter the way in which we consume, how we consume, and who consumes. My friend Sarah Quinlan at MasterCard tells me that at this point, a plurality of all consumption is done between 10 p.m. Eastern and 3 a.m. Eastern. It's done on a phone, a mobile device, and it's largely women who are conducting the, the, the purchases. And so wow. women are accountable for 75% of all sales, and they've got a pretty healthy influence on the other 25%, I'm sure. And um, that's radically altering the, 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 the consumer matrix. And this is really critical for businesses of all size, but especially small and medium-sized enterprises, to understand that they have to have a dynamic, ongoing, breathing, living um, online presence that not only provides service to the customers, but in an optimal sense, provides a narrative journey so that the, the emerging demographic the emerging demographic majority, the millennials, when they purchase, they like to purchase multiple things at the same time. So the most successful of these um, online entrepreneurs such as Gilt really provide an online uh, narrative that's a consumer journey that really meets the needs and anticipates the changing wants, tastes, preferences, and even behavior of that emerging demographic majority. 
Oh, uh, wow. <laughs> I'm sitting here. Robert Bakke is saying social media um, is not the answer. You're saying the online um, uh, is going to be, um, uh, in effect, uh, a major source of sales. Um, you well, already is. Uh, I mean, if you exclude <laughs> auto, if you exclude auto sales, online sales account for 25% of all consumption in the United States. And in my estimation, we're we're actually underestimating the true nature and pace of online sales. You know, I'd like to uh, step in here, Joe, if you don't mind, because it's very interesting what you're saying. We um, <clears throat> we were on in the last uh, segment uh, talking about a number of things, including. Uh, a book that we came out with and we marketed the book ourselves all the way to a number one ranking on Amazon. And, uh, we've learned lots about, uh, product sales and, and what you're saying about online sales is extremely accurate. What, what we were talking about in, in the previous segment was, um, in, in a snapshot, whether or not you should be using social media to generate revenue. And what we found was that social media as a revenue source as a, as a cutting edge revenue source is a disaster, but online sales, we've sold, um, I'll bet you 90% of our books that have sold have sold online. Um, and one of the things that bewilders the publisher, uh, the people that printed it for me, because we self published this book and did the impossible with it. But the vast majority of the books that sold were also eBooks. So, um, uh, if it wasn't well, for online sales, if it wasn't for online sales, we would have been dead in the water. But uh, well, here's what I, I think about that: is that it's highly conditional, right? Is that if you take your, your your average small business, they're likely not to generate much revenue off of Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, right? Correct. But once you get a little bit of once you get a little bit of scale, and you can use a little bit more sophisticated technology especially when you can design your algorithms correctly, then the equation changes. And because this is relatively new, it's two to five years old, I'm not surprised at your findings, but I would strongly suspect five to ten years out, we're going to have a, an op, a different finding, that the algorith algorithmic-driven sales is, are, is a very powerful tool that medium middle market firms, such as our clients, and, of course, the large firms, Absolutely have to take actually absolutely have to engage in. Take a, a firm like Lululemon, the athleisure retailer. So the reason why I find that firm fascinating is last year in the holidays, when we had massive discounting across the entire retail landscape, this is a firm that maintained the price, the initial price on 85% of its products because it was able to target market to and identify the needs of its primary consumers who are increasingly happy with that product. So I think that we're still early in the, in the algorithmic um, retail environment and that while, while what may be true for some firms is simply not true for firms of different size and scale. Well, we've got uh, one of the, the companies I represent was telling Joe, we've got, they're done rather, we've got uh, uh, you know, 11,000 paying members and uh, a social media matrix in millions. 
and yet 82% of our new members, actually 82% of them, uh, come through uh, word of mouth, personal testimonies. Um, the rest that's left over really come from mainstream media investments, and and uh, we we still generate basically zip in terms of revenue generation off of our social media presence. But what the social media presence does on the backside is it creates relationships, and we have a lot of retention. Uh, we have a lot of retention uh, as a result of our social media. But um, I think you're absolutely accurate. Five or ten years from now, the online presence is going to have a whole new look. I'm not sure what that look will be. But one of the things that we're really benefiting from is um, the data collection because of it, which really helps us target what we're doing. No, and I, I agree. And you know, you can see even now the sort of the shape of the competition. Well, Amazon's absolutely dominant and will be dominant for a number of years. Say in New York City, there's a great web, website called Urban Daddy that targets upscale professional males, and they've got a program called Perks, which sells pretty, pretty, pretty expensive uh, shoes, briefcases, shirts, ties, that sort of thing. And if you go and do the the, the research, you can see that they're absolutely price competitive to the to the penny with Amazon. And they're exclusively uh, using social media to target these individuals, and that's a feedback effect from the data that they're collecting. So not only are what they're doing is, is, is profitable, but they're using the advanced big data and algorithmic sales um, strategies to target those clients in a way that those clients haven't been targeted before so that they're well, unlocking no that hidden value out there among the consumers. Well, and, and probably this is doing something that you see regionally. Well, I was going to say they're, they're probably doing that also through paid advertising. So the the uh, paid advertising on social media. So then the question becomes, is that paid advertising actually more effective than another media source? Well, it's not just paid advertising. Justice. They've got a pretty big Facebook presence. They're all over Twitter, and, and I notice even on Facebook. It's not paid advertising. They're actually using Facebook incredibly in a create an incredibly creative way to, to to identify, market to, and shape the preferences of their targeted consumers. And I said, and this is brand new. This isn't something that existed five years ago. This yeah, is something that's really cropped up over the past twenty four months. And I think it's really going to reshape uh, the consumer landscape, it, perhaps in a micro fashion. But then again you have to go to where the money is. And these are individuals who've got disposable income and right, can buy those right. products. But gentlemen, it's been really great talking with you, but I do have to get to a meeting. Hope we get to do this again. Robert, uh, back here. Thank you. Thanks for join, uh, joining us and staying with us as long as you did. Have a uh, great, great, and we'll have you back. Joe, great. please Thanks, stay John. on. Joe, have a good day. Uh, Joe, you, you, uh, it's fascinating. Um, uh, I have a question for you. Um, I have a lot of questions for you, but I, I, uh, I, I guess uh, uh, the the one that brought you to program you you your studies indicates that you expect ninety percent of your respondents to be hiring for the holiday season. Uh, uh, are you re retail? Is that everybody? How did you come up with that figure? And who are these people? that you expect? I think we lost him. 
I'm sorry. Yeah, hi Don. This is Robert. I think I think we lost Joe. Hmm. Joe. Well, he hung up. Yep, I think we well, lost him. And look, I need to I, I need to get uh, I need to get right. as well, but I want to thank Joe Bach is so much for the time today. Thank you, Joe, and we'll we'll be talking to uh, talking to you again. And good luck to you. Great, thanks. We'll talk to you later, Don. Joe, you're still on the board. Joe, are you still on? Well, you know, um, a good friend of mine said a long time ago. Always, um, we had a great program. Always leave the stage while they're still clapping. So we're going to say goodbye. We'll see you next week with with, with who we think are two very fascinating guests. Thank you for listening tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us, but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience and profits. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week at blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you like what you heard today, tell others about our efforts. If you'd like to be a guest or suggest topics for future hours, email me at info at smallbusinessdigest.net. That's info at smallbusinessdigest.net. We would also like to remind listeners that besides our radio efforts, Small Business Digest comes to you via the web, through our video channel, and in our magazine. You can subscribe for...